Welcome back to the Get Stoked Podcast. I am your host, Otsu Stokel, and it has been a hot minute. I hope everyone is doing well. I apologize for my absence. I can't really describe it any other way. Uh, it has been a very busy few weeks. I uh, started a new part-time job, been apartment hunting, and a lot has happened since I have gone away and stepped back for a minute. Needed to focus on myself for a little bit, but I am back for the long run. It has been several weeks, and it is eventful as it can get. The Tigers were just on a six-game win streak. They lost two to the Sox. They are currently down now against the Royals. Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. Golden State Warriors won NBA Finals. What else? The Big Ten is expanding. The Pac-12 is crumbling. Oh my goodness, there is so much just to dive into. Wimbledon happened. Novak Djokovic won his 21st title at Wimbledon, or just overall, excuse me. So a lot has happened. I hope everyone is doing well. Let's get right into it and just kick things right off with the Big Ten. There are adding two teams, uh, and I'm sure this has already been in your main news cycle, of course, but USC and UCLA, of course, are joining the Big Ten Conference, pushing it up to 16 teams now in the Big Ten, and there's a lot of speculation as to who will join the Big Ten and who will join the SEC as those two are becoming the big competitors, I guess, and the biggest conferences or super conferences. And this whole conference realignment thing, it's getting it's getting out of hand, to be honest. There's all this new stuff coming around where Oregon and Washington might end up, where Clemson, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Virginia, where those teams might end up. And the biggest one is Notre Dame. It is still an independent and where will Notre Dame end up my my prediction the Big Ten because you have now some of their biggest rivals in the Big Ten but that does not leave out the ACC where some of their athletics already such as basketball I believe women's basketball as well are in the ACC competing competing for the ACC titles and their chance to represent the ACC. So it's not too far-fetched that they can go on to the ACC. So off an article offline or online, excuse me, on ESPN stating two weeks ago, many of college sports, most powerful people gathered at the Mandalay Bay resort in Las Vegas for the national association of collegiate directors of athletics convention. I did not know that there's a convention. This is the first time hearing of this. This is kind of crazy already. But SEC Commissioner Grank, uh, Grank, I'm sorry, Greg Sankey, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, and countless others and other power brokers from around the country participated in the panels, networking, and mingling with each other. Uh, just before the featured session on June 28th, the NACDA honored its athletic directors of the year, including Wake Forest John Curry, NC State's Boo Corrigan, Arkansas's Hunter Yurichek, and USC's Mike Bone. All four took the stage before a packed ballroom of more than a thousand in the Mandalay Bay. I'm sure that's pretty good size, honestly. And 
it goes further down the article saying, unbeknownst to nearly everyone in attendance, Bone and others have been working quietly for months on a stunning move that would throw the future of the college sports lands, landscape into a flux. USC, which joined the Pacific Coast Conference in 1922 and had been in the league since that would become the Pac-12, it was set to uproot and join the Big Ten. The Trojans would leave with crosstown rival UCLA, a Pac-12 member since 1928. So you have two solid core Pac-12 teams leaving for the Big Ten in 2024. This shakes it up completely. And this is the biggest shakeup since Texas and Oklahoma have declared they are going to the SEC in 2025. So this is really going to shake up a lot. And this, this really gives me worries about the future of college athletics specifically college football because you already have michigan ohio state michigan state penn state iowa wisconsin kind of is the big six of the conference vying for a big 10 championship and then you include ucla and usc that's going to be a little bit harder it's kind of going to shake things up a little bit and now that you have these two powerhouse programs in the Pac-12 joining the Big Ten, not only are you going to see more competition, you're going to ask yourself, are they still going to play the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis? Are they going to move it out to the Rose Bowl? Are th- is there going to be a central location, given that it is now coast to coast? And the Big Ten now controls the four biggest sports markets in the country, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and there's one I'm missing. Chicago, Los Angeles, New York. There's a fourth one in there that I'm not exactly sure what it is at the minute. I'll get back to you on that. But they th- they control three of the biggest markets from West Coast to East Coast. It is astounding. Oh, the fourth one, of course, is Washington, D.C. I just thought of it. So you have, you already control the four biggest markets. The SEC already has that problem. They're, they're really now controlling Dallas all of Florida, all of the South, and maybe a little bit of Washington, D.C. in there. Where the Big 12 also controls Dallas and kind of the Great Plains area of the country. The Pac-12 had Los Angeles, and now they're losing Los Angeles. So the Big 10 is looking like the biggest, most behemoth conference there is out there. And I got to say is mind-boggling it is just absolutely just astounding that this is happening right now and I'm gonna bring someone on the phone with me and I hope he has some insight hey awesome hi dad you got a second you bet what's up I am currently recording my podcast and I knew I was gonna do it sooner but I had some time now if you have a minute Sure. So I'm currently talking about the conference realignment of USC and UCLA, and I did not realize that UCLA and USC were both Pac-12 originals back in the 1920s, and this is such a big shakeup since Texas and Oklahoma. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of that kind of unraveling of the Big Ten for their, or excuse me, the Pac-12 for their departure to the Big Ten in two years. 
Well, um, I believe USC is uh, celebrating 100 years uh, in the Pac-12. So that uh, gives you an idea of the longevity and the strength of that conference. And uh, when I was in college in the 70s and 80s, USC and UCLA uh, routinely played some of the most exciting uh, college football. Um, and uh, they were always sort of the cream of the of the Pac, uh, I think Pac-10 at that time. So uh, even though the, the Pac-12 has undergone um, expansions over the years, they've been you know, the powerhouse conference uh, for as long as I've been watching college football. It'll be exciting to have them join the Big Ten. Again, two premier schools, but it does it does shake things up, and it puts the remaining Pac-12 teams, I think, in a position of uh, you know where are they going to be in a few years? What what teams will be, replace USC and UCLA, and how does the Pac-12 want to you know sort of view itself and market itself uh, going forward? So um, it's both exciting. It's it's uh, a sad. Uh, sight to see some of these conferences uh, sort of slowly dissolve over time. Uh, it's been happening in slow motion for the last 40 years, but it really has accelerated the last couple of years with Texas and Oklahoma, and we'll see what the future brings. But I'm excited for the Big Ten. I think it's just a great addition of two schools that fit the mold. Now that they the Big Ten basically controls all of the the four biggest markets in the country, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and D.C. Do you see Oregon or Washington going anywhere like the Big Ten, or do you think they'll stay put in the Pac-12 for now? Well, let me let me just say I don't – you can't count on the Big Ten controlling those markets. They still got to earn the fans. Um, but I, I think it creates an opportunity for the Big Ten to become – a coast-to-coast league, uh, including, uh, you know, perhaps even the entire remainder of the big uh, or, or of the Pac-12 schools, and uh, you know, and, and create this kind of super conference, um, and and that may be where we're at in, in perhaps ten years. Uh, Austin is two super conferences, one that we now call the Big Ten, that includes the schools we just mentioned, and then the SEC with perhaps schools more aligned along the Southern United States, what those schools will be in 10 years. I don't know, but you know, maybe that's the, maybe that's the landscape of the future of college football is just kind of two super conferences. And, and then a few, uh, you know, smaller conferences of schools that, uh, you know, want to stay more regional, keep their schools focused on their, you know, on their local uh, fan base. And that's a great point, dad. I'm reading an article off of ESPN and it's just saying a whole slew of things about how this is an absolute stunner. No one saw this coming. And I, from my perspective, this severely changes college athletics landscape. And do you, what direction do you see this ultimately going? Well, I, I wish I knew the future, but it sounds like money is driving us. I think if I read correctly, both schools almost will double their, uh, you know, their income. Uh, just by joining the, the the Big Ten, that's a huge incentive for, for those two schools as well as remaining schools, you know, to strongly consider joining. Um, I, I think it it sets the Big Ten up for perhaps some bragging rights again from coast to coast. I think it repositions the Rose Bowl, which has for over a hundred years been, to me in my mind, the premier bowl game 
to watch, even if you didn't have any sort of teams, you know, playing that, that you were personally rooting for, but nonetheless, that had some of the most exciting uh, football games, along with all of the pageantry uh, of the Rose Bowl. I think it really positions the Rose Bowl back to perhaps being uh, the uh, sort of title uh, game of the college football season. That's certainly what it was when I was in, in college was uh, you wanted to win the Big Ten or the Pac-10 again at that time uh, to go to the Rose Bowl. That was the pinnacle. Um, so, I, again, I wish I had a crystal ball, but it's, it looks like we're just going to continue to align based on revenue and, um, you know, and have uh, additional schools join. I think the Big Ten now has, uh, is it 16 schools uh, total? Yeah, and, with, uh, yeah. The FDC has 16, so. The race is on to see who else, uh, you know, we can, the Big Ten can snag uh, going forward who's going to both add to the marquee value of the brand as well as just, you know, compete at the highest level of collegiate athletics. You know, I've been, I've been also thinking about that a lot. And uh, my, I guess my biggest question for myself is, are they going to reposition, let's say, the Big Ten championship out at the Rose Bowl, or are they going to keep it in Indianapolis come 2024 that's i think that's a big question that shouldn't be answered right right away but it's definitely something that some people might think about um but yeah those are all great takes dad i know i caught you off a little but uh, i appreciate you responding to my call and i'll see you soon (laughs) well again stunner uh doesn't go far enough in describing this but it is an exciting time uh, to be a college uh, sports fan and uh, you know, just a fan of uh, student-athletes at all mm-hmm. levels. But uh, we'll see what the future brings. Oh, yeah. And one more question before I let you go. Back to your sure. business, Dad. Uh, what, is this, what do you think this will do for recruiting, especially in the Big Ten now? Will, will more athletes reconsider going out west as opposed to going to schools like Michigan or State or even Wisconsin? You know, Austin, that's a, a great question. I don't have an immediate answer on recruiting. I, th- I still think the, the the recruiting, at least for the first next few years, will, will largely stay the same just because the athletes are still, uh, the student athletes are still kind of feeling their way through all of this name, image, image and likeness, local versus sort of national exposure, things of that nature. Um, but I think it does kind of open up the playing field for, say, some some more uh, sort of transcontinental students now to maybe consider playing within the Big Ten, uh, but perhaps just not in their own backyard, uh, given the you know, given the exposure that the Big Ten will, will create, at least on the national scene. So it'll probably open up the recruiting uh, to more national, uh, again, national student signing at perhaps distant schools. You know what? We'll have to see. So, Dad, great talking with you. I'll see you this upcoming weekend. And Thanks for answering my call on such short notice. Uh, you bet. Have fun and uh, looking forward to the upcoming season. All righty. I'll talk to you later, Dad. Bye. Bye. So that was, of course, my dad joining me on spur of the moment kind of a thing. And I agree with what he has to say. There is a lot of uncertainty coming out of this realignment. And that also begs the question, what is every other school affected by this going to do so that's big questions that we're going to see probably answered right away some answers aren't going to come at all for the next few years and another big thing is new is media rights agreements with these 
conferences. I know the Big Ten just rescheduled theirs. I know um, there's a lot of talk with the ACC, the SEC, Pac-12 even. Uh, but that is going to be some questions for the near future. But the biggest thing is, of course, how is this going to affect everyone else? And that is kind of unraveling on its own. We we shall see what happens in the next few weeks, months, maybe even years. So stay tuned. Look at the media. But don't expect, I, I should say, don't be surprised of any big changes. Expect them, really. Uh, I can see Oregon leaving the Pac-12, Washington even leaving the, back, the Pac-12, Clemson e- leaving the ACC, Notre Dame joining a conference, but that is yet to be seen. Stay tuned. We shall see what happens. Shifting gears now from the collegiate landscape to a little bit of the NBA and Detroit. Uh, a few weeks ago, the NBA draft happened, and Detroit, I think, was one of the big winners of the draft. You got Jaden Ivey, you got Jalen Duran, and those two players right now in the summer league, they are they are playing very well. I know Jay Nivey is now out with an injury. It does not look to be very does not look to be very like serious or or lengthy in any way, but he has shown to be a playmaker directly out of college and he is playing like like he belongs in the league and like he's played in the league for so long already. And Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart, that could be a very, that could be a potential deep threat for their front court. And two bigs down low is going to be exciting to see if they both start or they both rotate in and out, depending on where mostly Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey lead or lean on to whether that's their G League team or they are immediately on the Pistons roster. But I know Chet Holgram with the Oklahoma City Thunder, he's doing pretty well right now. But the number one overall, Jabari Smith, excuse me, he is not number one. Pablo Banchero, that is number one. I heard he's doing pretty well as well with the Orlando Magic in the Summer League. Of course, these are all young guys and... Of the, this is not to say, oh, they're going to be stellar all-stars by the by by midseason next year. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that this is just a developmental tournament hosted in Las Vegas where you can definitely see, okay, who's kind of standing out, who needs some more improvement. And from what little I have seen, I've really only seen highlights and not a whole lot of actual playing time because – it's baseball season for me, really. Um, the biggest thing I've seen that I can take away is that Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran are a very capable young duo that will make almost an immediate pit impact in the division, the central division, and even on the Pistons organization, on their roster. So that's the biggest takeaway I see. And then I see Chet Holgram. He's going to be a very versatile big man for Oklahoma City. Is he going to make them a title contender? Absolutely not. Is he going to make them a possible uh, playoff contender? You know, it's very possible, but it it's not just one person that can turn around an organization, and that 
is just proven from the last few years of these top elite draft picks, especially Cade Cunningham, where he he did make an impact on the Pistons, but because they have such a young roster that was learning, that was developing still throughout the season, even before the Pistons picked up Marvin Bagley Jr., they were still developing and they still showed signs of progress, but they still have a long ways to go. And with the Pistons bringing back Bagley Jr., with the Pistons picking up Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran and two big, big players out of Brooklyn, uh, actually, I take that back. It's not Brooklyn. It's the Knicks. I got to get that right. It's Bro- It's the New York Knicks. They picked up two guys. Their names escape me currently. But they... I'm excited to see what happens with those two veteran players that can add some depth for the Pistons. And with this young core around them, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Durand, Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, I'm excited to see what this Pistons team can do. I'm excited to see what all the young teams can do. The Cavaliers, the Thunder, the Kings, the Pacers. I'm excited to see what they can do. But the biggest impact on the league for me is going to be either the Cavaliers or the Pistons. Solely because of the young talent that they have. And what I'm seeing now is that all of these young stars, young prospects, are making such an immediate impact on the league it's, it's widespread. You can't really say one team in particular like I kind of just did with the Pistons. But the Pistons, they're trying to figure it out along with the rest of these teams. And I know I'm a little biased towards the Pistons. But because of how good their young talent is, I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit any other program either. I'm focusing solely on the Pistons. Because of the young talent that they picked up in the last couple of years... I have a good feeling to say, you know what? They may be ahead of the curve over everyone else. We're just not seeing it yet. And that curve is who's going to make it farther into the playoffs? Who's going to show the most progress between all of these teams? It doesn't have to be in the Central Division. It doesn't have to be in the West. It's any team that you can think of. It could be it could be Golden State with all their young talent that they have with Jordan Poole, Kaminga, and a few of their other players. It could be up in Sacramento. It could be Los Angeles. Not the Lakers, but the Clippers. But I know the Lakers have been making some moves too. Not as much as you would expect, but they've been making moves. And another team that I have my eyes set on is the Orlando Magic. They are basically the University of Michigan. They have five Michigan players on their roster. Does that mean they all play well together? Absolutely not. But it is just to point that out. And with all this young talent they have, they have both Wagner brothers. They have Kristaps Porzingis. No, they do not have Kristaps Porzingis. I'm thinking of another player. But my point is they have young talent that could lead them to a stronger veteran core in the years to come. Same thing with the Pistons. Same thing with the Cavaliers. The Knicks have their own problems. The Brooklyn Nets have their own problems with Kyrie Irving leaving, with Kevin Durant requesting a trade. But I hear he's coming back. Don't quote me on that. And I'm just saying, bottom line, I know I was saying the point is, but this is my absolute bottom line in all of this. The league is changing. The younger talent are taking over. Just because Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, 
Devin Booker, they're all getting older. They're still relevant in this league. And all this young talent is starting to churn in a new era of basketball. New talent is coming through. And that isn't more prevalent than Detroit. Detroit, I think, has the most promising potential out of any young roster in the league. Cavaliers, they're already in the playoffs. They've been to the playoffs. They just need that extra step to get them further into the playoffs to be a potential semifinal contender. But the Pistons, they may be the surprise team of this season, upcoming season. Will they? They, You know, they may not even make it. But they are for sure closer than anyone who is behind them. I think they have the talent, they have the expertise, they have the coaching, and now they have the the veterans that they could be looking for to push that Pistons team to the next level. So we'll see what happens. It is still qu- quite a ways away from the regular season. It's only summer ball, and I'm just seeing what I've been seeing. I've been thinking what I've been seeing, and... There's still a lot of potential, but there's going to be some promises. There's going to be some not so much truthful truths in there. And there's going to be a lot of expectations for this Detroit team. And I'm sure every fan base has that expectation for their team. But we'll see what happens in the coming months for the NBA. Moving on to the Tigers now, the Detroit Tigers. Detroit Tigers. I gotta say, I was watching or listening to some of their games from this past few weeks, and they've gone. They from the last ten games, they are now I believe eight and ten. Uh, they've they swept the Guardians. They split with the White Sox. They're currently playing the Royals in Kansas City, so they have a long few weeks on the road, and they honestly for their last few several games of the last yeah last several games it's very colorful between green and red losses and wins but currently they're right now sitting at 36 and 49 10 and a half games behind Minnesota five and a half behind Chicago so they've definitely closed the gap against Chicago with this six game stint that they've done and if they can continue to do this even more win more games than lose they're going to reach 500 in no time, but it's by no time. I'm I mean, it's going to be a little too late. I don't see them making the playoffs unless they just go on a huge winning spree of like 20 games. And we'll see that that really happens. I don't think it is. That's a little bit high of expectations to be honest. But of course you have to surpass the white Sox, who are currently 41 and 43 you have to surpass Cleveland, who are 42 and 41. And then maybe you have to get close to Minnesota, who are 48 and 40. So the Central Division isn't doing that great overall. But Minnesota right now is going to make the playoffs. No questions about it. Detroit, they still have to match with Chicago, match with Cleveland. They have to surpass those benchmarks of five and a half and even six games behind. And Chicago and Cleveland, they are kind of neck and neck with each other. They're virtually the same. 
record with one more loss on Chicago. But currently, currently, Kansas City... What what happened with Kansas City? They they were a World Series championship team several years ago, and now they were just kind of fall flat on their face. And I've just haven't really seen much potential out of them really ever since they've won that World Series. And we'll see what happens, what comes about it. But right now, Detroit's down three to one in the middle of the eighth. And do they have the stamina? Do they have the leadership, the the potential to beat this Kansas City team when they're now in the bottom of the eighth, down two runs? Possibly. We'll see what happens here. But a game is baseball is all full of potential runs, momentum, probability. So we'll see what happens really with this Detroit Tigers team. But they have shown some improvement from that last six game win. But it's it's better than nothing, I gotta say. It's better than nothing. Before I go and conclude this episode, I just want to give a shout out to the 2022 NHL draft. It is a draft that not everyone pays attention to. It is a draft that very few people pay attention to. I barely even paid attention to it. But I know there was about 20,000 people in Detroit following it along, downtown Detroit, and... Honestly, I got to say, this was a very good draft for probably the Red Wings. They picked up Marco Casper. Uh, He was picked eighth overall. And I didn't really follow this too closely, but I I just wanted to give a shout out to the Red Wings for picking up Casper, for picking up some of the big prospects that did not go long. They picked up a very good goalie out of St. Louis. And hopefully Steve Arzman can turn this team around. Hopefully he can turn this team around, this franchise around, bring it back to what it once was. But it is still a little too early to tell. But I'm excited to see what the Red Wings do. I'm excited for here in Grand Rapids to see who they put into the AHL, the Griffins, and so I can watch them, really. And I know there's going to be a few two-way contracts with that, as well as with the Denver Nuggets affiliate, the Grand Rapids Gold. It feels weird to say still, even though Grand Rapids and Detroit did have a nice partnership with the G League in basketball. And then Detroit said, nope, we're pulling the rug out from underneath you. But uh Both of these teams, the Gold and the Griffins, are going to be playing in Van Andel Arena in downtown Grand Rapids. Uh, I'm excited for that to happen in the fall. Most likely the Griffins because they can definitely show some potential with winning the Calder Cup. Uh, And the Gold, too. We'll see what happens with their G League team. I know they did fairly well last season. But, again, shout-out to the Red Wings making some moves here. Were they as good as the Pistons in their own right? Probably but I will dive into this more later. And, of course, Red Wings fans, we'll see what we think in the coming weeks, months, years, maybe even century. That's going to be a long time. But, of course, best of luck to the Red Wings in their offseason as they prepare for this upcoming season. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Get Slipped Podcast. Be sure to... 
listened to all of my previous episodes. I know it's been a few weeks since I did my last one, but I promise you now, I've promised in the past and that has not turned out well. I'm like a politician. I don't keep promises. And I don't want to compare myself to politicians, but I just got to ask, what is going on? There's a whole lot of stuff going along in, in today's world, and I won't get into it because this is not a political podcast. Um, but I will say, to, um, what am I trying to say? Tune in to Friday. Yes, I will be back Friday for your regular scheduled programming. Have a great week, everyone. Stay well. Stay healthy. Beats whatever illness you do have if you are feeling ill. I will be thinking of you guys. Stay tuned. Have a good week. We'll see you then.